Okay, so the uh, the idea was to have a uh, another class on halachot. We didn't um, make a definite uh, decision about what what the topic would be, but I think one of the topics that we kind of left off without discussing was like people asked about makeup on Shabbat. I don't know if that's the only topic that you want to explore. We have you know there are many other things that we can segue into from that or. Uh, you know, whatever questions come up, because it seems like whatever topic we start with, we don't necessarily end with. So and that's okay. You know, whatever topic we, we will start, we can use that as a point of departure and then, and then uh, um, you know, progress as the questions go and whatever else you want to ask, because it's not really, there's no real fixed format. We just made it as a halacha for women. So any halacha that you feel that you want to explore further that we can within the parameters and the time, we'll try to do that. Okay. So, uh, you know, the question about makeup, it's a very difficult question because uh, it's a very sensitive issue for a lot of people. Um, I'm not one of the, those people, but um, it's, uh, it, you know, hair issues and makeup issues don't affect me, uh, but they affect a lot of people and they're very sensitive about it, and I understand that. So it's always like a touchy subject. But you have two basic melachot, um, two of the 39 melachot that come into play with it that are difficult. One is um, like smearing stuff because of oil-based uh, makeups that adhere to the face. So the, that's, that's one is the, uh, what's called mimachik, uh, which is to, to take any kind of a substance that's oily or, um, and, and to make a, a layer with it. So since you're making a layer, as opposed to, let's say, uh, we, you know, with regard, like when it comes to like, uh, like hand lotion or things like that that absorb into the skin. That's not as that's not a big deal, but something that's supposed to stay on the surface of the skin. So that's the problem. And then you have tzoveo, which is coloring. So these two issues are you know difficult to escape. The only thing that really uh, you know is is allowed is like powders and things like that. They're not oil based because they don't adhere the same way, and they they're not made of the same kind of a substance, and they don't color. Uh, the same way. So there, it's not considered to create a new color. So these are not issues for Shabbat. But I mean, I hate to say it, but like this, the actual subject is really short. That's like all there really is to say about it. And like there are things like Shabbat makeup, which is about as good as, as good as Shabbat ovens, you know, which means that they don't really work. You know, like Shabbat makeup is like something you can put on before Shabbat. And leave it on. It's not called Shabbat makeup because you're allowed to use it on Shabbat. It's called Shabbat makeup because you're allowed to put it, because it supposedly lasts the entire Shabbat, which I'm not sure if that's true or not. I've never tried it, uh, as I'm sure you could expe- uh, you know, probably would, would assume. So um, I, don't, I can't vouch for it. It's a, the same thing is like, you know, a lot of the things that they make, it's called a Shabbat this. And then it turns out that you actually can't really use it on Shabbat, like a Shabbat oven. You can't put food in the Shabbat oven on Shabbat. It's just a, an oven that you can leave stuff in before Shabbat and take it out. But then people see that, oh, it says Shabbat oven and it says the star K said it's good. And they think they can like cook stuff in their oven because it's a Shabbat oven, which obviously is not allowed. So you have to be very careful. Anything marked, you know, for Shabbat use, what does it mean by Shabbat use? Does it mean that it's something that's for before Shabbat, but it lasts through Shabbat, or is it something you can actually do on Shabbat? So you just have to be careful with anything labeled for Shabbat use to make sure that you, you know, yeah. This is like a technical question, but if I put on regular makeup before Shabbat, and then the next day I want to just press powders on top of that, is that a problem? If it's already on there? 
Meaning I already have whatever's left from the day before, from like right. Friday, right? And then I just want to press regular. I don't, I don't see what would be wrong. They're just holding it. Just it's like already the there. Mix, that be like I don't think that would be a problem. I can't see that being a problem. It's already there. Sorry, also a technical question to clarify. There's a, there's a like, Shabbat makeup, right, that women buy. It's the loose powders like you described. That's one thing, that yeah. That are sold to be used. That you can use on Shabbat, like the powders yeah. you're allowed to use. Yeah, yeah that's that. That's what I meant like the. I was I was talking about the long lasting makeup that they say, oh, it lasts. You know, put it on, it stays on. You know. But you can add on top. The stuff, yeah. Anything powder should never be a problem. It doesn't matter if you have makeup on already that you cover it with the powder. It doesn't. Uh, that you're still not doing it. The problem would be the oil. Like, let's say if you want to like find more like Shabbat makeup, the problem would be the. The oil is the issue because it creates like a layer on your face. It's anything powdery, it's not going to be a problem. It's oils generally. Yeah, loose powders and th- pow- things that create a strong color. Like if it's making like a strong red, so that's already tovea. It's concerned, you know, if it's just sort of like making your face look more presentable, but not a, not a, um, not a color, so then it'll be okay. If it blends in with the color, I mean, the problem, it depends on, I guess, the person's complexion, maybe, possibly, you know, whether it's actually changing the complexion or not, or it's just sort of making it more, you know, feel better to you. I don't think anybody needs makeup personally, but... uh, I think it would be okay because it's it's not really a strong color, you know, it's just sort of like accentuating the natural colors of your skin. Hey, we're talking about things like uh, mascara and lipstick and stuff like that that make a different color. You know, not that I, uh, you know, I'm not really an expert on the different kinds of makeup and what they're used for, so I apologize. I just know what the malachod are. You know. You mentioned oil. Would it be okay? I know some people will actually just put like olive oil in the tube and use that as a lip gloss. Right. Yeah. I see. Olive oil. That's okay. No, it's the, it's the makeups that are based on oil. It's not because of oil. It's. it's Right, it's, it's not the oil that's the problem. It's that the oil makes it adhere and make a layer on your face, okay. right? That's of, of the whatever it is, the powder or the color or whatever. That's the problem. It's not oil by itself because you could, you could use that. Like one of the old things, that they, they, like it's kind of, it sounds silly. It sounds silly, but they're like, oh, eat strawberries if you want red lips. Just eat uh-huh. strawberries and you'll have red lips, you know. Or, you, or we could have like eat, eat red sour sticks, or whatever they are. That they, they also, they give you a red tongue. I'm not sure about red lips. You would have to eat them in a very messy way. You'll, and if you, if you eat the wrong flavor, you'll end up with blue lips. But, you know, nowadays people do all kinds of uh, unusual things with makeup. Who knows? So it'll probably be a trend setting. What kind of a lotion are we talking about? Yeah. Anything that absorbs into your skin is okay. Like Cetaphil and stuff like that and, uh, and, and moist, moisturizing creams and stuff like that. Anything that absorbs into your skin is okay. It's water-based. It, even an even... Well, most of those have some kind of oil in it. But it's okay because it's not meant to color. It's meant to absorb. You want it to absorb. You don't want a layer of Cetaphil on your face. You know what I'm saying? I mean... It's, you're allowed to rub in moisturizer because it, it's okay. absorbing into... Anything that absorbs into your skin is okay. Right. okay. Yeah, if, if it absorbs in, it's okay. For, for Svaradim, Ashkenazim, they have all kinds of other hang-ups about that, but we're, we're not talking about them. 
They have like uh, an issue with if it's a certain amount of thickness and they're not allowed to use it and things like that. And they water down their liquid soap and do all kinds of other um, things that we don't need to do. Because they say you're not allowed to do something that's more than an olive oil thick. And if it's, a, so therefore like the liquid soaps, they say, oh no, you can't use that. You have to water it down to make it like water. And then, you know, if you've ever seen, like they have like Shabbat soap or they just water. That's a different issue, the toothpaste. toothpaste I mean, it's connected because it's also because it's thick, but they have another issue that they think that um, spreading the, spreading the, I, I mean, I guess it's related. They think that spreading the toothpaste onto your teeth is also like memachek or that you're wasting away the enamel from your teeth. They have like different issues that they think are a concern for toothpaste that are not a concern for us. In fact, the Rambam has, a, interestingly, like for a long time, there, you know, Ashkenazim for sure wouldn't use a bar soap, bar soap on Shabbat. But the Rambam has a, has a letter where he specifically says bar soap is okay on Shabbat. So, you know, that was never considered. They said, oh, because you're smoothing out the bar of soap. But it's like, you know, that's not really what you're doing. You're waste, it's wasting away. You know, then you shouldn't be allowed to eat butter either or anything like that because you're smoothing out the butter. You know, where, do you, where does that end? Stick deodorant is a problem because when you, it's not because of the stick. It's because you actually make a layer that you want to stay on your body. It does absorb, but you, you don't want it to absorb because you want it to stay because it's supposed, that's how it's effective. So and you don't want it to wash away. So in that case, it's, it's an issue. So spray deodorant is better for, for Shabbat. Yeah. It's not because of what you're doing to the stick of deodorant. It's because of what you're doing on your body. Anything powder is fine. Powder should be fine. Yeah. If it's a light, if it's a color that blends with the skin, if it's like a, a different color, like a totally new color, then it would be an issue of coloring. Obviously, it's not the skin color. Yeah. Right. Like right. Or pink or right. Blue, right. Blue, bright red, blue, something that doesn't blend with the skin. Yeah, something natural should be okay because you're not really making a new color. You're just uh, making it look brighter or making it look something like that. But it has to be oil-free, right? The, right, that's because it makes it... Right, because the powder doesn't attach, it, so it doesn't adhere to your face as much. Yeah. That's the idea. As far as ointment, let's say a little kid falls down and gets a cut, and I want to put something on it before I put a Band-Aid. Is that allowed? Yes, that's allowed. That's not a problem. Any kind of thing that you want to absorb into a cut, into the skin, uh, it's okay. And then so toothpaste for Sephardim? Toothpaste is 100% toothpaste. fine. You can use a regular toothpaste. And you can also use it on Pesach. Right, right. And all other times. Yes. <laughs> Except you just can't use it on Tisha B'Av and Yom Kippur. Yes, of course. That's only that. Yeah. Um, back to the Shabbat makeup. Um, the loose powders that they sell, um, oil-free and so forth, they, they advertise it that you can't put it on any makeup that you have already. You don't see that as an issue. Why would that be? Oh, like because it's mixing. They say if you have any color it's on, mixing. like you're mixing colors. Like if I have something from the Porsche about and I want to put a light, like blush on top. Yeah, I heard that. According to, to their, how they That's what they it, say, they really? They advertise it as you can't do that. Like combining Why? Oh, because you're making a new color? Yeah. Mixing colors. Two different colors. Mixing yeah. colors is a problem. Like even foundation and blush, mixing it together. Because you're putting, let's say, on Shabbat, you're at, it's going to change the color. Mm-hmm. It's going to mix, yeah. I don't see why. I honestly don't see that why that would be an issue on Shabbat. I'll look into it some more and see what there's why they say that, but I, I can't see that that would be an issue. That doesn't seem like it makes... That it's mixing with oil, not powders. 
Like right, but it was already on. It's you're, you're not. It's already on. Because they even say you can't even use both of like two of their products. Because it's gonna make. Because you're mixing the colors. Well, look, in, you're not allowed to create a new color, a new color on Shabbat. That's an issue. So if that's what's happening, so that would be the same issue even if you were just putting on the powder with nothing else before, right? Right, if you're talking about natural type of color, I don't see why that would be an issue. If it's blending in with the color of the skin and it's not a real new color, so I, I don't see why that would be an issue. I can't see why. I, I'll look at it and see what they say to try to understand it better, but a lot of times it's, uh, you know, it may or may not have a good reason behind it. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. With sunscreen, there's two different like, kinds of sunscreen. One is like a zinc oxide, which is meant to stay on your skin. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just like, it's not supposed to absorb into your skin. What it does is just like reflect the UV rays. Mm. And the other kinds, like the chemical kind, I forgot what it's called, benzocumbin, that absorbs into your skin. Right. But if it's like in a spray application, yeah. and I'm not rubbing it into like... My right, skin. so then it would be okay anyway. Either way would be okay. If it's a spray, it's never going to be an issue because you're not putting on a thick layer. Meaning, the idea of mimachik is that you're taking a substance that is like solid and you're spreading it out over a surface. If, you're, if it's already in a liquid form, like an aerosol form, it's not going to be an issue no matter what. Even if it stays on the surface of your skin, that's why you could use deodorant, that spray. Even though it's staying on the surface of your skin and you can put on perfume. Not on clothing, only on your body, right? So uh, you're only allowed to put perfume or cologne on your body, not on clothing, because you're not allowed to, like, scent clothing on Shabbat. But, um, but that, the reason why it's okay is that even though you don't want it to absorb because you want the smell to stay, but it's a liquid, so it's okay. So the same would be with that sunscreen. I don't, does it work it just as effectively, the spray and the thing? I don't know. I know that we, yeah, we find it like easier with kids to do the spray, but I, I never knew. It just it never, it, it always felt like you need to go through that hard effort of like applying sunscreen for it to work. I don't know. Like, yeah, like you feel like you have to rub it in and do something. Otherwise, it doesn't count. Yeah. So there are some sprays that are not aerosolized. It actually comes out as a cream in the form of a spray. Oh, if it comes out as like a cream, then it's a different story. Then you would have an issue. Right. The spray that we got from the it, did, the, it just looks like liquid. It doesn't look like, but I, I've never seen one that looks like. If it looks like that, so then if it's a real, if you're spreading out uh, something that's, in, then it would be like the same as spreading out a cream to make a surface. It would depend on the, it would depend on the, on the substance you're using. Any other questions? Or we can go to a different topic if you have, yes. Um, is it better to take off your makeup after Shabbat? After? Yeah, or does that not matter? Do, it doesn't matter. Removing is always okay. There's never a problem with removing. There's no problem with washing your face. You're allowed to wash anything off you want. There's no. What? Any removing of any kind of thing should be okay. There's no problem. On Shabbat, yeah, I mean, anything that you're removing should never be a problem if you're removing it for good. Removing or removing things is only a problem if you're if you're doing it to fix it because you want to put something better. If you're just getting rid of it, then it should be okay. So yeah, usually they say only to do that if it's for the mikvah and Shabbat because you don't because it's a whole complicated process and removing nail polish is not so simple. But to wash like uh, your face off of uh, makeup is is okay. Well, usually the makeup 
doesn't go away with just washing your face. Right. No, I know. Mm-hmm. Use right, use makeup remover. It's okay. Anything you're removing is okay. You're not making anything. It's okay. Yeah, as long, yeah. The only time, any time, it's the same thing as like uh, any other, any destructive thing, meaning any taking away of something on Shabbat is never a mlecha unless it's in order to make an, in order to prepare for something that you're going to do with it. So like, mm-hmm. you know, that's why we don't say like, oh, if you have a cake that has letters, you can't cut it. The Ashkenazim are worried about that. Or if you have packaging that has letters, you cut it. You're not going to be able to write on the surface that you tore the letter. So it's not really, you're not making, erasing is, is, is creating a clean surface so you can write something on there. So if you're just washing it off because you want it off, uh, it's okay. If you're washing it off because you want to fix it, so then you, you, you would have an issue just like you're not supposed to erase in order to, to replace. But if you're washing it off to wash it off to be done, then it should be fine always to remove Like a gel? Sure, like a leave-in conditioner, any kind of cream, a serum. Also for like kids, if everyone's holding like a bell now. What's it for? <laughs> like style your hair, let's say. Mm-hmm. Like something you want to... Um, like smoother. Right. Is it... Well, right. It's for Zoom. Like death frizz. That, I mean, it, it's a, it, does it absorb into the hair or it stays... Yeah, kind of. If it absorbs, anything that absorbs is always okay. Anything that absorbs and it, it should be okay. Just cream water. Right, gel could be different. Yeah, gel is th- is actually thick. Yeah, I would say gel. You probably can't. Even a spray version. A sp- like something that becomes like liquidy because the spray should it it, then then, then it's gonna yeah, but that wouldn't matter because it, the only time that it's an issue of um of whether it absorbed or not is when it's in a cream form. If it's in a cream form, so then when you spread it out, you're making like a layer. But I don't think you would do that in your hair because you don't want a layer in your hair. Gel is different because gel actually is like a thick and it sits there and you could tell the person's hair is like gel in a certain way. So you probably wouldn't be able to do that. But the uh, but any type of a spray or a cream that absorbs. Herbs should always be okay. A conditioner probably also. Yeah. Okay. And then one more question. As I said, I don't really, you know, I'm not the biggest consumer of these products. <laughs> <laughs> so. um, in terms of like babies, like I'll say changing diapers, right? And I need to put some kind of like, I don't know, Vaseline or something. Mm-hmm. Is that allowed? Um, so what we used to, like the best thing is to just dab it on. Uh, don't spread it out. Just dab it on the spot. Or if you're not using a powder. If you're using a powder, then you can, like, sprinkle it on. Did you have something to say about that? If, you, if, you, if, you're, yeah, if you're using Vaseline, just dab it. That's the thing. Don't spread it out. Wait, you really can't use gel on Shabbat? I sound like always gel is the Really? Uh, I mean, I don't want to say for sure, definitely not, without checking into it, if it's going to affect somebody's life, but I'm pretty sure it would be an issue. You can't do it before? It won't be messed up? Can you get a spray one? Get a spray one. Also, yeah. I started, I discovered aloe vera could do that too. And it absorbs. But like, nothing gets absorbed into hair. It's not, like, nothing gets It does. The cream, the cream gets absorbed eventually. Sure, conditioner does. What's a dry shampoo? I never heard of that. Uh, but but do you wash it out? You wash it out eventually. If your hair is getting oily and it's last covered, you put in a dry shampoo and it like 
But it's like a soap. Because you wash it out. It's like a Look, any kind of a powder is always going to be okay. If you're not dealing with a cream type of a substance, it's always going to be okay. Gel is an issue because it's like a thick substance already. It's, you know. Yeah, but it's, it's you, you, you actually make a layer with it and it stays in place. It doesn't absorb. If it did, it wouldn't do its work. Right? That's the whole thing. Either it broke down, then it wouldn't, it wouldn't stay in place. That's why I would think it would be an issue. No, but this, they have spray gel. I've seen it in the... I've seen it. I don't. I can't testify to whether it works, but I I assume it does. So, I never was into that stuff, even when I had hair. They might not have invented gel back then when I when I had hair. I'm not sure if they had invented gel. Yet. So they, I'm pretty sure they had it. No, they had it. Like I remember the guys from the '50s. They had it too, right? So I guess it's been around a long time. It's been around. Yeah. Uh, can we also talk about Sure. <laughs> the main thing is not on the line off the line the main thing is the mlacha is cutting something to size right so anytime you're planning out how you want it to come out then you're not doing a good job so the bit, the main if you have to cut the toilet paper from the roll like the ideal is to cut it before a lot of people they don't want to have they don't have the time or they you know they don't want to use tissues because tissues like clog the toilet sometimes especially the thick ones, and then they don't want to use, they don't have the time to cut the toilet paper before. If you do it, but obviously you're allowed to if you need to. So if you, uh, the, the main thing is not to cut it in any particular way because when you cut to size, even if your, your idea of exactly how to cut is an inch over the, uh, the line, so you're also planning out a specific amount. It should just be random. It should just be without design. That's the idea. Yeah, because the idea is cutting to size. So if you're not cutting to size, the truth is that you're throwing it away anyway, so that's why it's really not any sort of right. That's why they're lenient, you know, if you need to, to because we say because of kivoda briot, because a person, it's embarrassing. They're, you know, it's the dignity of a person. They need to be able to clean themselves so they're allowed to do it. So we make it in a way that is, uh, you know, you're, you're anyway throwing it away and you're anyway, you know, you're doing it not on the line. And so, not that it's not on the line. You're not doing it in an exact way. That's the way to say. Yeah. Does the same hold for like paper towel or like other stuff? Like, I don't know, you want to cut like foil or saran wrap? Is that the same concept? The problem is that with the t- toilet paper, you're throwing it away. You know? So it's like being, so I think that's the reason why. And you have, you have that advantage. You also have the thing that kavoda briot, because like a person goes to the bathroom, they can't like not wipe themselves. It's not dignified. In all other cases, you don't really have those, those reasons. Uh, to, so for, for towel, paper towels and definitely not for foil, like you should definitely do it before because you're keeping those things and there's no kavoda briot aspect. I mean, I guess if you had something like, I don't want to think of terrible scenarios, but like someone throwing up all over the place or whatever, and you, you had to, so then I guess it would probably be the same thing. Like, you know, with, the to- with, the, with the towels. Hand, you aren't throwing it out. Yeah, so it's, yeah, like it's true, it's true. It's hard, it, the difference that they, you know, there's a lot of different factors in the toilet paper. There's the, the fact that you're not clean, but you went to the bathroom and you can't, you know, not, you know, can't come out without, you know, being not clean. As opposed to drying your hands, okay, so you air dry them, so you know it's not the end of the world. You can't, you don't really have that option with, with other things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree that you know ripping a toilet, if you're ripping a, to- a towel not on the line, you know, and you just randomly rip it, you're not doing any sort of right that's for sure. So like any sort of banan, but you don't really have a reason for it. You don't have the justification for it. 
That's why. Or like, for example, like, um, let's say uh, you're not allowed to like absorb liquid into something because you might squeeze it out, you know? But like, if you're throwing it away, you're allowed to. There are things, times you're allowed to. Like you're allowed to do, you're allowed to clean the table and t- a spill and, and throw it away. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. So, uh, but if you have an option, if you have an alternative that you don't need to tear the paper, so it's better not to. It's better not to use the, the paper towel. Yeah. Um, The pool? Yeah, like what exactly is like... Are you talking about a swimming pool? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, what is the malacha? There's no malacha of going into a swimming pool. The problem with going into a swimming pool is that you squeeze out your towel afterwards. That's the main issue. Like you have to pat dry. Anytime you're wet, your body's wet, you have to pat dry, especially your hair, because you end up squeezing out water. And uh, you can't squeeze out the towel. Those are the main two things. You're not allowed to go into the ocean and swim. But a pool, in a pool, you're allowed to do whatever you want. That's not a violation of Shabbat. Can you once say only in a private pool versus walking somewhere Well, there's more complications, other kinds of complications yes. with that. But uh, not direct, directly related to Shabbat issues. But yeah. If you, um, if you uh, have a pool, but the problem is you can't do, like go to the beach. You're not allowed to go into a natural body of water in, in, on Shabbat to swim. It's a dirabanan. It's a, it's a we don't really have a beach, but I'm saying if you went on a vacation or something like that and you had a beach and you wanted to go into the, into the water of the ocean or the Long Island Sound or whatever we have here. Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a rabbinic rule. It's not a it's not a it's not a, a biblical rule. There's no there's no uh, actual melacha that you're doing. You're going into the water. The issue was that oh, you're going to pull vegetation out of the out of the under you know underneath. So if you if you have a pool that's not clearly not a uh, place that is growing any plants underneath, hopefully, so you wouldn't have that issue. That's what. It, are you allowed to rinse dishes and put it in a dishwasher? Yeah, Let's sure. say Friday night, I can rinse it and put it in the dishwasher? Yes, there's no problem with it. Especially if it bothers you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I can wash it if I need it. Let's say I need my place for Shabbat. Can but I you can it? always wash it. You can't, wa- you can't use the dishwasher, obviously. But yes, yes, if you... Does it uh, have to be like Shabbat brush, like a special if you, sponge? Uh, yeah, you can't use a regular sponge because of the squeezing out water, issue. Right. So you can use a brush, you can use your hands, you can use, you know, whatever else. And if I don't need it, I could wash it if it bothers No, no, me. If, it, if it bothers you so much to have dirty dishes that it's affecting your Shabbat, then that's yeah. considered a need of Shabbat to clean uh-huh. the dishes because it's bothering you. But, it, you know, it, but in, an, in a typical case, let's say you just don't want them around, so you rinse it off and you put it in the dishwasher and you don't see it, so it won't bother you. And then after Shabbat, you can flip the dishwasher. But on the... Uh, on a on a Shabbat where you uh, where it's, if it really bothers you to have like dirty dishes like see them so then that would be considered a need of Shabbat. I see. Okay. You know. Also, another question with the water filter. Like I have a water filter under my sink. It's uh-huh. electric. If we turn it off, can we use it on Shabbat? Why if would the power is off? Right. It's okay to use. So then, what's the problem? Right. Yeah, I don't. If the power's off, 
Now, the filter, a filter by itself wouldn't be a problem if it's not electric. The filter is okay. Uh-huh. But, uh, but it has like an on and off button. Yeah, so that would be, be then it would be electric. Yeah, then okay. I guess it, assuming that every, it depends. I don't know how it works. Meaning if when it's on, right. it just is continually on. Yes. And it doesn't yes. matter if you're running the water or not. It doesn't affect it. Right. So then it would be okay to leave it on. It doesn't, it would be, it would be fine. Oh, okay. But if it's, if when every time you use it, it gets triggered and it does, does something. Right. So then you wouldn't be able to, but I don't know how it works. So I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know. On Chag, um, so the sha- with showering, the problem is like the squeezing also of the towel over here. There's a couple of problems with it. It's a, that's a very politically charged subject. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how much I want to go on record about the topic, but um, the issue is um, is heating up the, the that you're allowed to shower with water that was heated up before Yom Tov. In a house, right? In a house, in a house with water that was heated up before Yom Tov. Um, well, what, one of the things you can do if you have control over your boiler is you can set the boiler that it doesn't go over uh, a super hot temperature. Meaning you can set the boiler to below the temperature of what's called Yatsoleditpo so that it doesn't cook any new water. And then you know that the water isn't getting heated past that. That's what we used to do when we had a house. Every Shabbat, we would turn the boiler down to below the temperature. I forget what the temperature was now, but... We would set it to to a temperature that actually for showering you don't realize your your hot your water's not so super hot like it you know so it's it's um, if it's boiling hot then it would be a problem but if you set the boiler low so that way you don't actually um, cook any new water on on Yom Tov and then you could go into the shower and then you just have to be careful not to squeeze the towel or you have to pat dry or brush your hair. Right. Well, you could have right to squeeze the hair, squeeze the towel. Um, but that, that's a good solution. Is turning down the boiler. It's a good solution for also using the hot water on Shabbat. If you're afraid that people will do that, um, we used to do it even before Shabbat, just in case somebody turned on the hot water. So then you know that it won't make any new water coming in. Because the problem with using the hot water on Shabbat is not using the hot water on Shabbat. It's that when you take hot water out of the tank, it puts more, and it cooks new cold water. So if you have a, uh, if you set the boiler temperature to be low, below Yatsoledetbo, I have to check exactly what the temperature is again. In Fahrenheit and Celsius, you can find out what it is. And then you, uh, then that way you know that even if new water comes in, it, it wasn't boiled on Shabbat. It'll be okay. And also, Lutha, like, you can't, it's, it's wash with your hands, your body. Like a Lutha. The- you could use like, I guess, a kind of a sponge that is, that is allowed on Yom Tov or Shabbat, but you can't use anything that squeezes. That's all. Someone asked about it before. I think because it, it's supposed to absorb, so it should be okay. So then it's even better. So then what's the problem? Mm-hmm. Meaning that would be like lathering up soap on your hand and wash it off. That's the same. What about squeezing your hair? Squeezing is a problem. You have to let the water run through your hair and and not squeeze. Yeah, just like you can run your fingers through without just don't squeeze. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Well, right. The re- the thing that they say that one of the leniencies that 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 they have for like apartment buildings and hotels, 
that, you know, are kind of debatable. Like I've asked people and they're like, I don't know if the boilers work like that anymore, have to investigate. So I'm not 100% sure without investigating. The data that I have is like 20, 25 years old, but there is this like saying, this belief. The reason is because two things. Number one, when you use the water, so since we said like the problem with using the hot water on Shabbat or Yom Tov, especially Shabbat really, is that the water that comes into the boiler is going to be reheated. Cold water is going to come to replace the warm water that you took out and it's going to heat up. So that is, so in your house, that's a problem because you're benefiting from that malachah. So the idea is like, oh, in a hotel, there are two things that they said. They said, first of all, the cold water is like, doesn't immediately go to be heated up in those boilers from the way that they work, which again, I'm not sure that that's 100% true. I don't know if that's true anymore. Um, And the other thing that they said was that even if it does, you're not going to benefit from the water that heats up afterwards because there's like a million people there. So it's what's called which means if you do something that causes a malacha, but you don't actually have any benefit from that malacha at all, and it wasn't your goal. You weren't thinking, oh, I want to turn on the shower so I can replenish the hot water in the boiler downstairs. You said, I want to turn on the hot water and... I just want to wash my hands and not have freezing water. And then, oh, it happens to be that caused cold water to get heated. Now, in your own house, you're responsible for that because you're directly causing it. But in a situation where you're not the beneficiary because, you know, the other people living in the apartment building are the ones who are going to use it, not you. You know, so therefore it's like, uh, you know, that, that is another leniency that they bring for sort of situations like that. But we would have to check if it's really true still that the boiler, you know, how the boiler works and... You know, but those, that's the reason why you've heard that kind of thing. Yeah, that's, that's the reason. So there's a basis for it. I just, we need to get updated information about how it works. That's all. Um, in terms of an urn, a samovar, yeah. so it says on it that you should turn off the boiling button and just leave the keep warm uh-huh. before Shabbat. It's, it's, well, it's a little content. No, it doesn't really matter. Because you're turning it on before and now you're turning it on. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Okay. Is that an Ashkenazi thing? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Most of the things that don't make any sense. (laughs) 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 A rule of thumb. Oh, because of the light? Yeah, but you're not touching it. Oh, because when you take it, it's going to turn. That's why they're saying? I thought it was because you were like, yeah, and Chag, of course you could. That sounds so confusing. People say that for, for things. Yeah, I mean, but the, the light going on or off, I mean, that's not, that's not your, that's not even your, you know, remotely your intention. intention. Yeah, I, I don't, no, and anyway, you can't predict it, meaning it's like, it's the same as when you t- open the refrigerator, mm-hmm. right? So there's some people that they won't open the refrigerator unless the motor is going. Because when you open the, the refrigerator, you're causing warm air to come in and you're affecting the temperature in the, inside the refrigerator. And at a certain point, the temperature is going to get to a, a point where it's going to make the motor go on and cool off the, te- the, the inside of the refrigerator again, right? But that's not your intention and it's not a direct connection. But it's not like opening the door of the fridge and the light goes on because you know every time you open the fridge the light is going to go on so it's direct and it's immediate and you can't you can't you know uh you can't get around it 
But it, with, uh, with the temperature control, opening the door, you don't know when the motor's actually going to go on. Maybe this time it won't go on. Maybe it will. Maybe it's not going to be open enough, long enough. Maybe, it, you know, I don't really know. And the same thing is true. If I take a, a, a cup of water out of the urn, Maybe it's going to reheat now. Maybe it's not going to reheat for another five minutes. Maybe it's maybe the, after the third cup of chai, it's going to reheat. I don't know. You never know. So therefore, it's not something that you really have to worry about. And it's all automated. So you shouldn't have to worry about that. You know, I, I don't see a reason. It's the same thing as, you know, they used to say, there are people that they, like, if you leave food in the oven before Shabbat, so... Can, if the oven is on, can you take the food out? So there are people that say, no, no, you can't because if you open up the oven, then cold air is going to come in. And when the cold air is going to come in, it's going to make the thermostat of the oven go up again. Right? That was the concern. Where Moshe Feinstein actually has... Uh, see, if, you ever, if you've ever seen the book, The Shabbos Kitchen, it's a very Ashkenazi book, obviously. And it's an old book. It's an old book because it was around when I was a kid. But one of the secrets about all those art school halakha books is in English, everything is very strict. And in the footnotes in Hebrew, everything is very lenient. So you have to read the Hebrew footnotes and they're like, actually, you know, all the stuff that's written in the English is not true. So, so in the English, it's like, oh, you can never open the oven because it's going to make this. And then in the footnotes, it's like Rav Moshe Feinstein, who was like the biggest, you know, Ashkenazi posek of the past, probably 20th century, probably, or at least one of the biggest ones definitely in America, says that it's no problem because it's not intentional and you don't know exactly how much air is going to go in and you don't know how, if it's going to affect it or whatever. And so therefore it's okay. And that's what it says in the footnotes. So there's a lot of things that are like hidden leniencies that they don't want people to get too comfortable with doing those things because it will lead to other things, whatever their, whatever their calculations are. But the truth is... That would be a different issue, right? I mean, if, it's, if it turns on every time you open it, so then you have a problem. Like, let's say you didn't have time to take out your food right. before Shabbat ended, started, right. or you wanted it to just, like, stay, stay warm. warm. But then you realize, oh, there's a light when I open it. Right, so it depends. If the light is a real, unlikely to be, but if the light is, like, an incandescent bulb, like in the old days, like a real light that actually has, like, a filament inside, so then you have a problem. If it's, a, if it's an LED light and you're in a situation that you forgot... Mm-hmm then it's really not an issue to open it and to take the food out, even if a light goes on, because LED light is not really anything. And LED light is, is not a real fire. It's not a real, um, you know, um, and, and most of the, almost, almost everything now is transitioning to LED. Would it say it somewhere? Like, you know how you have like, uh, what are they called, those bulbs that we use now? The ones that, you know, they're, they're not, you're not even allowed to sell those uh, regular bulbs anymore. Are, they, are you? Here, I thought that they're, faded, they're phasing them all out. The, real, the bulbs that get hot, like the old ones that we used to have with the filament, like now you get those, what do you call them? In, not, uh, they're not incandescent, the other kinds. The, not one, the ones that don't get hot. Fluorescent lights, whatever it is. Right, so almost everything is that now. They're not, like Mayor Brawl, he changed all the lights in Great Neck to be that because it lasts like 50 times longer. I don't know, more than that. It lasts a really, really long time and it saves energy. So, but the reason why it saves energy is because it doesn't burn anything. If you feel one of those lights, it's not hot. Why is it not? Because the old lights, there's a filament inside. Why is it a sort to light to turn on one of those lights? Because the way an incandescent bulb works, probably you all know this. I'm just saying, I'm saying it for the recording. But it, the way it works is there's a piece of metal in there called a filament. And the electrical current travels along that. Uh, it happens so fast that to us it seems instantaneous, but... 
it's traveling so fast along the filament that the friction that is created by the current traveling of filament makes it glow with fire, basically, because of the friction. Just like if you rubbed, you know how in the old days the cavemen would rub two sticks together to make fire, supposedly, you know, and I don't know if that's what they say. So the same thing, the friction of the of the current is what makes the thing. So it's actually really, you're making fire on with the metal. The metal is glowing red hot. Mm. So that's one, that's considered a melachav shabbat to heat up metal to the point that it's glowing red hot is a melachan shabbat. So the LED or like, for example, the fluorescent lights, all fluorescent light is, is there's a gas and, um, and the, the electrical current, which is not fire, electrical current is not fire. The electrical current being the gas is exposed to electrical current, it just lights up, okay? It has nothing to do with any fire. And the same is true with LED. There's no fire involved in it at all. So really it doesn't come under any melacha delraita of fire or light. So when there's a situation of real need and you need to be lenient and it's indirect and it's not your purpose and all that, there's reasons to be more lenient about LED lights because of, you know, because of all those reasons. But, you know, we don't, you know, ideally we don't just, you know, we don't take it lightly because people will get confused and they'll confuse it with a real incandescent light and, and there's all kinds of other reasons. So uh, when there's a real need in one situation to, to rely on that leniency, it's okay. But uh, in general... We have to be careful because we don't want people to get confused. They'll be like, oh, you turned on the light. You, you did this. They're not going to know that that, well, that's LED. It's not really light. And, you know, we don't want to confuse people. So back to the oven. Yeah, we had two people on that side. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, before we move to the topic. So LED light. Right. It's not really a melacha to do that. You're still going straight to Gan Eden. If you... <laughs> so my oven has like a Shabbat mode and uh-huh. I never use it because I thought... I That's just for leaving food in there. That's for what? Yeah, like if you want to leave That means that the thermostat won't adjust if the... So you know. somebody said like you can't open it, like you can't take food out and then put it back in. Like you can't put it back in. Oh. You can only take out. The, ben, the, the purpose of the Shabbat oven was for that problem I was mentioning before, that people are worried that if they open the oven and you leave it open for a while, you're taking out, like, let's say, three chickens and uh, whatever else you put inside. You put a lot of food. By the time you take it out, the oven is going to heat up again if the oven is on. So the Shabbat mode makes it that the thermostat won't respond. So you, but you can never put food in an oven on Shabbat. You're not supposed to put it in an oven. Okay. Only on a, only on a, a hot plate or a blech, whatever they call it. So why would it, why would it even like have that feature then? For that reason, because people want to leave the food in to keep warm and then, just and then take it out. Some people will keep it in over Shabbat. They'll put their chalant in there. Oh, and they cook it in there and then they can yeah, take it out I mean, yeah, on Shabbat day. Yeah. Instead of the light. It's mainly the thermostat adjusting, I think. But... Uh, if you take, if you that that's the issue. It's the it's the to take it out. Like let's say you don't have a chalent pot or whatever. People use like a crock pot, but let's say you don't want to use that. You just want to leave, uh, I don't know, halim or whatever we used to put in the in the oven, right? So that's a, you know that's what they would put. Uh, you, you had something, or that was oh that was your question. It was about the it was about the yes. In that case with the shabbat oven, would it be able to like have have like let's say your fish in 
your chicken in at the same time and take out the fish for one course? Yeah, you can take one at a time. Yeah, you're allowed to do that, 100%. You can open and close it. That's the benefit of it. You're just not allowed to put anything in there new. That's only. Because that's a Shabbat mode. She's talking about Shabbat mode. The Shabbat mode oven, that's what it's for. It's to make sure that doesn't happen. That's why you're allowed to open and close. It's, there's just a, in general, even with a ble, like a blech, Sort of situation to put anything to heat up on Shabbat, there are zerot or a banan that it, ha- it can't look like cooking. So right, right. So so putting it in the oven looks like you're cooking something new. So you're not allowed to do. It. Yeah, because that's why you're only allowed to put it like on a hot plate or on or on a blech on a, on a stove because you cover it. So you see that it's not. Or you're using a hot plate, which everyone knows is not used for cooking. So it's it's a it's okay, but putting it in the oven, a person's looking. They're like, hey. Cooking on Shabbat. Right. You can take out. We can put. Yeah, but I mean, you can cook on Yom Tov. So, oh. No, but like, let's say for Shabbat, I didn't want to turn on my. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, so leave that instead. For Chag, it's fine. Go in and yeah, you can use it. You can use it as much as you want. Probably uses a lot more energy than your than your hot plate, though. I would think. Yeah, it probably would be more expensive to leave it on. If something is not physically can they put it in the oven and take it out and say, you know, after my hour to On Shabbat? Put it in before Shabbat. Okay, so if so the rule is this. If if it's basically cooked and you could eat it, but you wanna crisp it a little bit more, you know? Or something like that. You could put it in right before Shabbat and leave it in. If it's almost ready to be cooked, like almost, almost, like it's mostly cooked, but not fully cooked, and actually you can eat it now, so then you're not allowed to do that right before Shabbat. Because the concern is that you will realize that the chicken didn't fully cook, and you'll say, oh my God, I have guests coming over, what am I going to do? And you're going to turn up the temperature, and you know, because you're, you're worried that you're, it's not going to be ready. Um, back then it was, you know, especially then they would like hit the coals, they would hit the flame and do that. Yeah. So stoke the coals. Exactly. So we have a little bit of a different system, but the point is like, if you have guests, you're going to be stressed and you're going to, that's why if it's something that is, let's say you're putting in for tomorrow, let's say it's Friday night, you're like, I'm putting in cholent and it's raw meat right now, or I'm putting in halim or whatever. And it's, it's, it's for tomorrow. I know it's for tomorrow. So I, I, you can put it in right before Shabbat because you know you're not having it for Friday night. And by the time tomorrow, it's going to be okay. Okay, but if you're putting something in that is on the brink of being ready and you're using it for Friday night, so then there's a concern that it would be, you might be tempted to break Shabbat to cook it faster. If it's fully cooked and it's like, oh, my tadig didn't crisp enough, I want to put it in more, you know, or something like that, oh, that, that would be okay. Did you have something else? It looked, yeah. Right. Right, right. So there are different opinions about it. Um, I, I've gone back and forth on the issue myself, wondering about it over the years. Uh, I would want to ask Rabbi Ben Chaim what his thoughts are. I think according to I think according to 
Ravovadia would be okay because Ravovadia generally his opinion was that if there's a time gap between one thing and the other, meaning the con- the problem is, let's put what the problem is. The issue is if you don't close the door of the dishwasher, it won't work. So you're actually like enabling the the the, the to happen because you have to close the door. If you don't close the door, it doesn't happen. Now Ravovadia had was had the view that if you if you have a situation like that where right now the power is not even on because it's on a timer and you just close the door and right now the activity you did was meaningless and later on it's going to go on and it's going to turn on, then it's okay. But there are some people that don't agree with that. That's also part of the logic behind like kosher switch and stuff like that. Is a similar logic, although there's even more things built into that. Than, but, but it's part of the logic behind it is that. That it's, you know, it's separate. I have somebody in Israel asked me this question too, somebody in my community there. And... Um, she had on her, she had the ability to disable the thing that would stop it from running if the door was open. Now, I, I wouldn't recommend you doing that, you know, but um, so she was like, oh, I can, she, she was wondering, you know, oh, I can do that. Well, then for sure, because you're closing the door doesn't make a difference. It will actually run without you closing the door, right? But I think there's, there's, huh? Meaning you can, you can disable the thing that prevents it from running with the door open, I guess, on her dishwasher. I don't, so, so, right, so then, of course, you could flood your entire uh, kitchen with that. But um, she wanted to know if that would make it more lenient to close the door of the of dishwasher. So I think it would, be a, it would be a disagreement similar to the issue of like over the kosher switch. Meaning when I'm doing what I'm doing right now, flipping the switch, it's not doing anything. Right? Later, something is going to come and complete you know, and turn on the power. So generally, Robovadia is lenient about, like, about things like that. If, you're, if right now nothing's going on and you set the stage for when later something happens, it's, gonna, it's going to be completed, then it should be okay. So I, I want to ask Rabbi Ben-Chaim what he thinks about it. I think that there's uh, definitely room to be lenient about it, though. Alarm clock, yeah, you can. Not the phone. Not the alarm right. The question is how you turn off your alarm clock. As long as you, what are you going to do to turn it off? Otherwise, it's going to go on for the whole time. I want to get up at 7 in the morning. I forgot to set it before tonight. Oh. Tonight before I go to sleep. Can I put it on? It's battery. What does it do? Oh, it's not like a. It's not cell How does it work? It's a battery. It's the old fashioned one. I used to have like a one that you. So mechanically, I mean, you, yeah. you pull out the pin or you push in the pin? Or turn it on, <clears throat> let's say, on number seven. So tomorrow morning, it could, I'm not Yeah, you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to, to, to set, it's mechanical. You're not, if you move a mechanical thing to seven o'clock. Yeah, because Ravadi also says like, with, even with a timer, oh, if you want to change, if right now it's off and you want to make it that, uh, you, you, you set the timer to be on from, one to three tomorrow and you want to make it go longer mm-hmm. or you want to make it, you know, you, or something like that, you're allowed to adjust it when it's off. Mm-hmm. He said that, you know, it, it, it should be okay to adjust it when it's off or if it's on to extend it later, like if, it's our, if the timer's already on, to extend it later would also be okay. So yeah, to make it, to set it for a certain time to go off, I don't think would be an issue. I don't think it would be an issue. As long as it's already running, you don't have to turn it on or anything like that, right? Um, so I have a neighbor that likes to leave their sprinklers on every <laughs> single night. 
Last night I was like debating with my husband. We knew it was a problem because Friday night it was on, but we couldn't figure out like why it's a problem compared to like let's say I throw something in like the like the laundry machine and I let it go over Shabbat, like that's fine. I've always heard it's just doing its. You're not doing show. anything. Right, but this it's a problem because it's like people can see it and it's grass. Like we were just trying to figure out why it's impacting your lawn. No, it's oh. not our lawn. It's just like I don't think about it. It's like bothers me that it's worth the Quran on Shabbat. Right. I don't know what's actually... <clears throat> I don't know that, that it really is a mlach, is, is, is really necessarily a problem for them if they just have a timer on that goes on every night. In the, the, I think what you're thinking of is like, let's say you have like a landscaper who comes and they come on Saturday and they're working in your yard. Right, so even if, even if they didn't dafka come, like let's say you, uh, you should tell them don't come on Shabbat because you shouldn't have someone like working in your yard on your behalf on Shabbat. It, you know, but the sprinklers, everybody probably assumes that you just have a timer that you set before and it goes on every single day. So I don't think that there's really an issue with it. I don't see why there would be. I don't see. But a person doing something for you is different. Like a person coming and doing something for you, it looks like you hired them to come on Shabbat. And it just, by itself, you know. it starts before Shabbat and keeps going. Right, just by itself. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. The timer. It's just like your lights. What's the difference? Your lights go on and off all day. What's the difference? But isn't there a problem of the grass blowing as you're watering it? The lights go on too, but it's all the same. What's the difference? I don't see a difference. Right. Uh, I mean, if you could tell them in advance, oh, it's a holiday, please don't come on this day, it's better. Because it shouldn't look like, because people will think that you, yeah, right. I mean, if you forgot to tell them, I don't know if you, if you know, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's better not to have anybody working on your property on 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 Yom Tov or Shabbat because of Marat Ayin. Basically, it's not because it's really a Mlacha, because we have like an idea that you're not allowed to hire somebody to do work on Shabbat, but what you're allowed to do is something called kablanut. Kablanut means <clears throat> means that you have a contract. And the contract is to complete the job. Like a kablan is like a contractor, right? So with a contractor, you don't care if he works on Yom Kippur. You don't care when he works. You just want the thing done by such and such day. You, you don't care what, you didn't tell him to work on this day. He decides when to work. So if you have a situation like that, it's called it being a kablan. Really, technically, it's not your problem. The problem is marad ayin. People will see it and say, oh, they probably said, come on Shabbat. You know, they got a discount. They came, they come, I don't know, whatever they're going to think. So the argument has been made, and I don't know what the current status of this argument is, but in the times of the Gemara, it was much more common to do things bishirut, which means that you pay the person each time. And it was less common to have a kablan, like a contract. So people would automatically assume you paid for the person to specifically come on Shabbat. Nowadays, it's kind of different because most people have a contract. And they don't necessarily specify the day. The person shows up whenever it's good for them. So there is, so there, there, that's why, to my mind, there's a, it's a little different nowadays. Like what the assumption would be the opposite. Even if you saw somebody building a house on Shabbat, you don't think that they hired them to build it on Shabbat. You assume that the guy is, a, is Catholic. He wants to go to church on Sunday. So he came to, you know, to do it on Shabbat. Or if, the, if you leave your car with a mechanic and you leave it on Friday and you pick it up Monday, they probably did it on Shabbat. You don't care. It was, that, that was for their benefit, not yours. So most things are like that nowadays, you know? 
The only cases where it's more complicated is, I don't know, you hire a babysitter, you hire a cleaning lady, it's, it's more complicated. But when you're dealing with people that usually have a contract, like gardeners, like uh, whatever, uh, even, uh, even uh, sometimes uh, pest control or you know, things like that, exterminator, you know, they, maybe they come once a month and they decide when to come. You know? So it's, it's, I don't think you have to send them away because I think most people, because I think of the, there's that leniency there, but ideally, you know, it doesn't look nice for people to be working on place in Shabbat. Yeah. Um, what about mail that arrives, like packages that arrive on Shabbat and you know, yeah. What comes? Like a book. Oh, a book. Uh, So here's the deal. If ordering something, like you shouldn't order Amazon Prime Mm -hmm. to be delivered on Shabbat on purpose on Friday. Right. If it comes, so here's the deal. Here's the issue. What if you need it for Saturday night? Well, here's the issue. Here's the issue. If it comes on Shabbat, if it was at the like distribution center before Shabbat, which usually it is, a lot of times it is. So then it would be okay. Because the issue is actually a tchum issue. It's not actually a melacha issue. Meaning you're not allowed to use something that came from outside the, the boundary, from outside the tchum. Now our tchum is probably pretty big because there's houses, you know, there's residential areas are, 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 are the Shabbat boundary. So right, 2,000 amot outside of the residential area. But our residential areas are like sprawling. They extend everywhere. It's very rare to have a break. So wherever it was, if it was in any center around here, it probably was within a place that hypothetically you could walk to on Shabbat without going outside the Tchum if you could walk 10 hours. It doesn't matter. It just can't be outside the Tchum. So as long as it came from inside the Tchum and it comes to you, the fact that they delivered it to you on Shabbat doesn't make any prohibition on the object. The only prohibition is if it came out from outside the Tchum. So if you saw before Shabbat, it's already at the distribution center in Great Neck, which a lot of times it is, right? The Amazon, whatever. So then the fact that it comes on Shabbat is not a problem, as long as it's something you know is not Muktzah or anything like that, right? Yeah, if, you could, yeah, you could open it. Like, you want to read that book on Shabbat, right? So then it would be okay. Right. Right. So if it, what, right. So if there's a right, the problem with ordering something that you know is going to come on Shabbat is then they're doing the melacha for you specifically on Shabbat, right? If it's a thing where it's like it could come today or it could come tomorrow, because now they have like same day. And it comes right. So that's okay because that means that it was just their convenience, right? If you if you order and you say I'll, and it's like it will come within the next three days. And it happens that it comes on Shabbat, okay. or it could come and to you can open it some. Time. Yeah, and it, let's say it says it comes Shabbat. Shabbat. It depends what it is. Let's say let's say what let's say it says it could come today, Friday, or tomorrow. Like sometimes they'll give you a two day range. Right. So then, if it comes on Shabbat, it's okay. You just shouldn't if if you're on it's Friday and you're like I really want this book and it says it's going to be delivered tomorrow. Like then you shouldn't do it because then you're asking them to do the melachah for you on Shabbat of carrying it, of bringing it. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? That's the problem. If they did the melacha of bringing it to you because that was convenient for them, then the only issue is tchum. So if it was within the tchum, like let's say you get mail on, something came in the regular mail. 100% it, wasn't, it didn't arrive in Great Neck Saturday morning. It was already there from the day before. They, they sorted it and they brought it to you on Shabbat morning. So let's say, let's say a book came in, in regular mail. Right, USPS. So then for sure it came the day before. They're not that fast. Not Amazon. They probably had it there for three days before they did. As long as it's not a bill, it's not this, as long as it's uh, something that you're allowed to use on Shabbat. There's nothing wrong. Wait, since when could you 
It depends what's in the package. It's not about the package, it's about what's in it. Then, then, so then don't bring it in. Yeah, so don't, don't tell them about it then. But it's, if it's something you know what it is, I ordered this book to read on Shabbat, and, or I ordered it and I wanted it to come Friday and it didn't come till Shabbat and it showed. Okay. Right. Right. It just comes every day, right? You get it every day? No. Oh, just, just on Shabbat only? Oh, okay. That, is that your subscription or that's... Oh, it just comes and you didn't even subscribe? You got it for free? Oh. Oh, it's weekly? Okay. Okay. So the, so the, the issue is that it won't be a tchum problem because they definitely didn't get it from like New York City on Shabbat. They probably got it... Um, well, actually, I don't know. Actually, nowadays it could be that they did. So the issue would be where it came from. I guess where it came from. If it's giving you like really up to the minute news, then it could be that it was even printed on Shabbat. Yeah. That would be a real concern. Yeah, it could be that it was even printed on Shabbat nowadays because things are done like really up to the minute yeah. when you get the... So it would be a concern. The melacha of them giving you the paper wouldn't be an issue because they're just giving it to everybody. It's not specifically for you. But, um, but, the, uh, but the issue of uh, where it came from on Shabbat would be a concern. So I, I would wait until after Shabbat to read it, you know. Anyway, don't read the newspaper on Shabbat. It's depressing. <laughs> and there's never any good news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I change it to elevators. Like, if you go somewhere, and um, can you make the doorman that's a non-Jew click the elevator button for you? Well, you know, if you're going up to a very high floor, then it's okay. They usually say... If you have a stroller. Like, right, if you, right, if you can't, then you're allowed to. Yeah, so it's, it's okay. If you have a stroller. I don't think if you, if you if in a situation where you have a baby, for sure you're allowed to ask. I mean, it's you're allowed to ask a non Jew. What door? Oh, that. Um, if, if you, uh, wh- why just? You're alone. You're saying. Yeah. Not with the baby. Right. That, yeah, you can ask them to do that. That's not a problem. That's not really electric. You think it's electric. It's not. It's just a magnet, actually. No, it's an LED light. It's all magnets. So it's Yeah. I wouldn't say you should do that, but you definitely could ask an Andrew to do it. It's just a magnet, those keys. Those are key, magnet keys. It's not electric. It's a magnet. Yeah. Okay, let's, before we, before we, um, uh, so we, but we use magnets in Shabbat. Yeah, but it looks like a melacha, so we usually ask an Andrew to do it. I'm, I don't think it's really a melacha. It's, LED. it's LED light. It's all, it's all magnetic, but it's, you know, it's better to ask a goy to do it, just so people don't get confused. Next thing you know, they'll be taking their keys and driving it. I'm a little confused about the hot water on Yom Tov. I was always under the impression that you can use hot water on Yom Tov. You can. You're not supposed to heat hot water just for bathing. To heat it separately just for bathing. So there are a couple of tricks. I didn't want to go into it because it's like a little bit of a complicated subject and maybe controversial. But like one of the tricks they used to give was, I remember, turn on the hot... I'm not recommending this. I'm just saying one of the tricks I used to hear. Turn on the hot water to wash your hands because you're allowed to do that. And then just leave, use the shower to, I use the shower, I wash my hands and feet and face because you're allowed to do that according to everyone. You're even allowed to heat water to wash your hands, feet and face. Okay, and then just get in the shower. Right? So like, right, because it's Yom Tov. So like, 
Because the, the, the thing is, the, the issue is that the main reason why they didn't allow showering, heating water to wash on Yom Tov is because they said it's not davar nefesh. It's not something everybody needs to take a shower. Because back then, or even in Iran, what they go once a week to take a shower, whether they needed it or not, as I used to say, you know? So they, uh, so, um, uh, you know, so that was considered something. It's like a luxury. Why do you have to heat water to, on a Yom Tov to shower? You shower once a week. What, what, why is it so urgent, Right? So nowadays people shower minimum of once a day, sometimes it's two times a day that people shower. So that's why there's some people who just say, look, nowadays it's considered davar nefesh. The problem is changing a halakha that was fixed is more complicated. So they get around it by saying, okay, you know, don't heat the water separately for washing your body, turn the, you know, just use water that was heated before, or, you know, that trick of washing your hands and face with the hot water and then just leaving it on. Uh, you know, you did that. You, you turned on the hot water, so now you're just allowed to get it's in. Attached to the same thing as your shower. Your right, meaning use the shower to you wash your hands and feet. Just wash your hands and feet in the shower, and then say, "Okay, I was allowed to do that. Now I'll just get under the water." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's another trick. It's a trick. Yeah, you could do that for sure. You heat it up to drink the shower water. In great neck, that might be poison. I don't know. It might be dangerous. 